بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم اقترب للناس حسابهم وهم في غفلة معرضون ما يأتيهم من ذكر من ربهم محدث إلا استمعوه وهم يلعبون لاهية قلوبهم وأسر النجوى الذين ظلموا هل هذا إلا بشر مثلكم أفتأتون السحر وأنتم تبصرون قال ربي يعلم القول في السماء والأرض وهو السميع العليم بل قالوا أضغاث أحلام بل افتراه بل هو شاعر فليأتنا بآية كما أرسل الأولون ما آمنت قبلهم من قرية أهلكناها أفهم يؤمنون وما أرسلنا قبلك إلا رجالا نوحي إليهم فاسألوا أهل الذكر فاسألوا أهل الذكر إن كنتم لا تعلمون الله عز وجل says اقترب للناس drawing near to the people is their reckoning اقترب it has already come near it's a past tense right drawing near to the people is their reckoning however what is the situation وهم في غفلة معرضون yet in their heedlessness they have turned away from the heavenly message not a new reminder from the Qur'an comes to them from their Lord. Ma does not come. Ya'tihim means to come. Nothing comes to them. Min dhikrin from a reminder. Min rabbihim from their Lord. Meaning, no verse of the Qur'an comes to them from Allah as a revelation. Muhdathin, new. Because as they were sitting in front of the Prophet ﷺ, they would be receiving fresh revelation from time to time based on the circumstances. Whenever this fresh revelation is presented to them, they listen to it while making sport of it, while to play. So they playfully listen to it, meaning they think it's a big joke. Right? They will listen to it, but not with seriousness. They won't be dedicated, they won't listen attentively. They think it's just fairy tales. Beyond that, another, another description of these hibernating hearts is that their hearts are diverted. They are, they are diverted by their own desires. Uh, okay, lahu. They are forgetting the message of the Quran. Rather, those who do wrong would keep secret their conversations. For the students of uh, the, uh, the language, you see here, Asarun Najwa Ladina Dalamu, Aladina Dalamu, you may be wondering, this is the file. Oppressors are keeping their secrets, keeping their conversation secret. But how come this is Jama? If the file is right in front, the doer is right here, why is this a plural uh, in a plural form? It should be Asarra instead of Asarru. And so the answer to that is Aladina Dalamu is actually what we call a badal. Badal of the Damir Hum or the letter Wow here. Hence, uh, the doer is the oppressors. The oppressors are the ones who keep the conversations secret. And it's come as a Badal from Asarru. And what do they say amongst themselves? They say a number of things. Number one, Why should we follow this Quran? Is this Muhammad other than a human being like yourself? Number two, Are you seriously going to accept this sorcery? Are you seriously going to yield to the sorcery? While you can clearly see that he is merely a human being. 
Okay? This, is not, uh, this is not miraculous. This is not revelation. This is a mere human being who's, who is, uh, who's got a great way of playing with his words. And he is uh, using his, uh, you know, maybe sorcery or magic to capture your hearts. Allah Himself says, Qala, Rabbi, say, Allah, Qala, Rabbi, my Lord says, that my Lord knows their conversation. My Lord knows all that is said in the heaven. Qawla means talking. Right? Whatever is said out there, anywhere, in any room, in any palace, in any bunker, in any, in, in any uh, fortified place, whatever anyone is whispering and talking in the heavens or the earth, Allah knows it all. In the heavens and the earth. So the qala is referring to the Prophet. The Prophet is saying, Rabbi, my Lord, he knows everything that you are talking about me behind my back. And he also knows about the message I am trying to invite you towards. He knows my speech, he knows your speech. And he is the all hearing, all knowing. Obviously, he's going to know what you and I talk about. Because that's what he is. He's at, he has the attributes of all hearing and all knowing. Now the third accusation against the Prophet Bell, still they have said, Qalu, the disbelievers, ahlam, that the Quran is a muddle of dreams. This is just a bunch of fake dreams that they have shared. Bell, number four, iftarahu, he has forged it himself. Bell, Rather, huwa sha'ir, he is a poet. فَلْيَأْتِنَا بِآيَةٍ If he really wants us to believe in him, let him then bring us. يَأْتِنَا Bring us. Aya a sign. A miraculous, out-of-the-world sign. The Qur'an is not miraculous enough according to them. كَمَا أُرْسِلَ الْأَوَّلُونَ Just like that which was sent with the former prophets. Just like that which was sent to the former prophets. مَا آمَنَتْ Allah is saying, why do you think that I will send you another miracle and that you will see that miracle and then you will start believing in the Prophet I've given you so many miracles already. You've received enough miracles to believe, but you simply don't want to believe. So me sending another miracle is not going to change anything. Not one city before these Meccans, which we have destroyed, believed in the miraculous signs. Will they then believe them? Meaning, None of the, pre- the nation of Lut, nation of Nuh, nation of Shu'aib, nation of, of, of Ibrahim, uh, you know, I'm sorry, nation of uh, uh, Salih, right? Nation of all the other pro- uh, prophets, Musa salam's nation. All these people, they saw so many different miracles. Did they begin to believe in them? No. We, had to, we ended up destroying them once they saw the miracle and they refused to believe in it. We have to destroy them right then and there. That's how the system of Allah works. Don't demand a miracle. And if, I, if you demand it and I give it to you, then you have to believe in it right now. And if you don't, then everyone's going to get wiped out. So, Will these Makkans then believe? They're probably going to follow the footsteps of the predecessors. Moreover, we have never sent any messenger to the previous generations. Ma, we have not. Arsalna sent. Qablaka, prior to you. Illa, except. Rijalan, men. This is referring to. Yani men, of course, they were males. But along with that, they were humans. They were not angels. Every prophet was a human, mortal man. 
And every prophet was obviously also male. They are demanding angels. Allah says, we've never sent an angel before as a prophet. We've always sent mortal men as angels. Nuhi ilayhim. However, they're different from the rest of you because we gave them revelation. So they're not the same like you. They receive revelation while the rest of the ummah doesn't receive revelation. So there's obviously a difference between the prophet and the rest. But still, they need to be people who you can connect with. If they were to be sent as angels, you would not be able to connect with them because you would always say, we, don't, we have needs and you don't have. We have wife and kids and you don't have. We have a job and you don't have. We have all these things you don't have. So you know what? You're not a good example for us. فَاسْأَلُوا أَهْلَ الذِّكْرِ Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, So if you who disbelieve do not know this, then ask the people of the revealed reminder. Dhikr. Dhikr means reminder. Dhikr means a remembrance of Allah. Dhikr means the Qur'an. In this case, it could mean many things. It could mean just a general reminder. Uh, it could mean the previous scriptures, meaning the Christians and the Jews, upon whom the books, previous books were revealed. If you don't know what happened in the previous prophets, go talk, O Mushrikun, O Polytheist, go speak to the Christians and Jews if you don't know. And they'll tell you exactly how the previous prophets were. In kuntum la ta'alamun, if you did not know, um, who, if you do not know about who the prophets were and what type of prophets came, etc. So let's go back now, inshallah, to the first ayah here. This is like, you know, the most amazing opening. Seriously, it's, it's an awesome. This surah and the next surah, Allahu Akbar, Surah Al Hajj. Allah Azza wa Jal starts Surah Al Hajj similarly. Ya ayyuhan nas, rabbakum, O believers, fear your Lord. Ya ayyuhan nas, O people. Fear your Lord. Indeed, the tremor of the day of judgment is something great. The tremor of the day of judgment is something great. So these both surahs are speaking about the coming of the day of judgment. And then that surah, let me take a moment. That is the day when you will see something very unique you've never seen in the world before. Every single nursing mother will literally, dhuhul means to forget. Dhahala means to forget. Tadhalu, every nursing mother will forget her nursing child. Which is, does never happen in this world. The strongest relationship between any two humans is between the mother and the child. And especially when the child is young, innocent, baby. And especially when the child is in a nursing age. And especially when the child is actively being nursed. There's no stronger relationship and bond in the world between a nursing mother and her actively nursed, nursed, nursed child. So, we will get, whenever Allah wills to, to, to discuss the surah, we'll talk about it. But let me, since we're, we're, we're on this ayah, let me just explain this beauty of this ayah here. The word murdi'ah, and you may have heard this explanation from me before. Murdi'ah means the one who nurses. Now, in the Arabic language, in the Arabic language, those verbs, okay, generally speaking, nouns in verbs, you know, they have a, a separation between men and women. All the, for if it's speaking about females, uh, then you'll have a ta marbuta, ta at the end. Every single verb is separated like that, males and females. Alright? I wonder how an Arabic language will be taught in the next decade. It's interesting. When the, with the removal of genders, it's a pretty scary thought, subhanAllah. You all, then we are students, you thought gardans are hard? Just imagine, you remove genders and then they add the they and, 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 and all these preferred pronouns. Imagine how complicated gardans will come after that. 
Uh, you thought just 14, Gardan Yadribu Yadriban everyone's heart, subhanAllah, with all this other stuff that's happening in Athanajah. I don't know what's going to happen. So, the, the uh, male and female separations through Tamarbuta. So, Murdi' okay, like for example, uh, like a uh, Muslim, male, Muslim, male, Muslimatun, feminine. So, this is always used Muslim, Mu'min, Mujahid, this, you name it. Without a ta, it's a male, with a ta, it's a female. But then there are those verbs that are specific to women, like, um, you know, nursing and uh, carrying a child uh, in their womb and all this other, and giving birth. All these type of verbs or these nouns are specific to women. Hence, you don't use a ta marbuta at the end because already understood that this is for women. So that's why you will say for women, you'll say hamil. All right, a pregnant woman will be called hamil, not hamila. In Urdu you say hamila, but in Arabic you say hamil. Similarly, uh, ha'id and murdi' etc. So the question now is, why did the Quran in Surah Al-Hajj say, يَوْمَ تَفْهَلُ كُلُّ مُرْضِعَةٍ Feminine. Why is there ta added there? You understand the question? Because it should be already understood that if this is a word specific to women, you don't need to add ta. And just say murdi'. But the ta has been added and scholars explain this. They say the difference is when you have the word murdi' it means any nursing mother who has the ability to nurse her child. That's what it means. But when you add the ta at the end it means someone who is actively nursing their child right now. And that's what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is speaking about. That that's the day of judgment when you will see a mother who is actively nursing her child. She will, she will not just get scared and leave him. No, she will actually forget that she has a child in her lap or in her hands. Who is, she, who is nursing and who's latched onto her? That, like in this world, that doesn't happen. From jumping from a burning airplane to jumping out of a car accident, right? A mom cannot leave her nursing child. Subhanallah. And so that's the day where Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says the fear of the day of judgment will be so overarching that a mother will literally forget she even had something like this. And every single pregnant woman will end up aborting her child. She won't be able to handle it. The fear will cause a forced abortion, naturally. And you will see people as though they're all drunk. Sukara, drunk. Allah says they're not drunk. Then why do they look like this? But instead, the punishment of Allah is severe. And the punishment of Allah is so severe that if you look at their face, their eyes are just looking up, they're lost in thought. They don't look at who is to the right and those to the left. As Aisha radiallahu anha, when she heard that on the day of judgment, people will be born and uh, people will be raised naked. And they will come to Allah just like the way they were created. You will all come to me alone, just like you were created in the first place, the way we created you. So she said, Ya Rasulullah, how, how can we be naked? How in front of billions of people? And look at the answer he gave her. He said to her that, Oh Aisha, the issue at hand will be far worse and far more intimidating than anyone noticing anyone else is naked. It will be so overwhelming. We, th- we think about today, nowadays everyone is overwhelmed. Everyone feels depressed. Everyone feels you know, weighed down by XYZ. SubhanAllah, the real day of day of judgment is a day where we have to ask Allah Azza wa Jalla for safety. Because that's a day when it's really gonna come pouring down upon the ummah and people. 
So he says that that the affair is going to be much worse than what you're thinking. No one will have time and a chance to look at who's next to them and what they're wearing. Everyone will be uh, you know, lost in thought. So that is the beginning of the next surah, Surah Al-Hajj. And now this surah, Surah Anbiya also begins like that. Drawing is that the, the, uh, the time has come near for people for their reckoning. Now let's, iqtaraba is a past tense verb. Yaktaribu is, is a mudari' uh, used for something which is happening now. But Allah Azza wa Jal uses the word iqtaraba past tense. Why? This is the system of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in the Quran. Whenever He describes the day of judgment, He always uses the past tense. Like Allah says, Ata Amrullah. Allah's affair has already come. Allah's decision has already come. Fala tasta'jilu. Don't demand it to come quicker than it's supposed to. Now, this is interesting. Like, Wait, what's going on? Ata is a past tense. Allah's decision, Allah's affair has already come. This is referring to the day of judgment. Allah's affair, Allah's decision has already come. The day of judgment has arrived. Fala tasta'jilu. Then don't demand and request for it to come quicker than it's supposed to. You're talking about it already came, and then you're saying, don't ask for it to come earlier. How is this going to work? And then the answer to that is, that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, Ata, it's already come. It means that the coming of the day of judgment, although it hasn't come yet, but it's so obvious, and it's so certain, it's more certain than something that has already happened in the past. Right? It's, it's more certain than something. Because you and I can't speak like this. You and I can't speak about the future like this. When the Quran says, وَلَا تَقُولُنَّا لِشَيْءٍ إِنِّي فَاعِلٌ ذَلِكَ غَدًا إِلَّا إِنْ يَشَاءَ اللَّهِ don't say anything about tomorrow that I'm going to do this, I'm going to do that, except you say inshaAllah. You can definitely can't say about the, you cannot say about the future that this is going to happen. But when Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala speaks, what is it? إِذَا السَّمَاءٌ شَقَّتْ إِذَا السَّمَاءٌ فَطَرَتْ وَإِذَا الْكَوَاكِبٌ تَثَرَتْ إِذَا وَقَعَتِ الْوَاقِعَةِ Right? Everything you see, Allah Azza wa Jal speaks about past tense. إِذَا زُلْزِلَتِ الْأَرْضُ زِلْزَالَهَا Right? Allah Azza wa Jal uses these words describing the, the heavens splitting, the earth splitting, the oceans being lit on fire, the sun and the moon crashing, Jumia Shamsu wal Qamar. All of this, this, this powerful description of the Day of Judgment that Quran speaks about, Allah Azza wa speaks about, it uses the past tense to tell people that you might not have to pay taxes this year. Huh? You, may, you might not have to do whatever you think you have to do. Things may change. Anything can happen. But one thing that there can be no doubt about is the coming of the hour. It's as certain as yesterday's sunset. Done. What is, what is there to be discuss, discuss, discuss about? You can't say, I don't like it, or I'm not sure about it. It's done. So that, that is the powerful thing here of using iqtaraba. Then number two, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala doesn't say, hisabu. Uh, Allah doesn't say, yawmuddin. Allah doesn't say, yawmul qiyama. Allah doesn't say, the day of judgment has come near. Allah doesn't say, the day of reckoning, or you know, some other thing has come near. Allah azawajal says, the day of, of their hisab. I mean, Allah doesn't use the word qiyamah or anything else. He uses hisab because that's the most important thing. What's going to happen on the day of judgment? The most important thing is that every one of us is going to have to bring our books and show it. That should be the most intimidating thing. When you have um, exam day or when you have a day to turn in your assignments, that, that intimidating thing for a student right, uh, is that whatever I did the whole semester, it's going to be judged on this day. Whatever I did the whole year is going to be judged on this day. For those who are in a PhD or a master's program, they have their day where they have, they have to present their paper. They have to defend their paper. That's what it is. Yawm al-Ard al-Akbar. The day of the ultimate presentation. You know that? Last week we talked about one name of, one name of the day of judgment. Who, do you remember, who remembers that? Yawm al-Taghabun. Right? 
The day of, what did we say Taqabun meant? Mutual uh, Deception Right? And so remember this day, name I'm sharing with you Yawm al-Ard al-Akbar The day of the ultimate presentation The day of the ultimate presentation so you think about a big uh, presentation you've got at work, there's nothing bigger than the day you and I have to present our books in front of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. When a person goes for a passport copy, hey, I mean immigration, present your passport, present your driver license. We're thinking this is a big thing. The real deal is going to happen when you and I are going to be asked to present our book of deeds. So that's what Allah is highlighting, hisabahum. And then He says, the shocking part is, for us, and not for Allah, is that these people are so in ghafla, they are in heedlessness, mu'alidun, and they are turned away. Aridha is your cheek. Mu'alidun is that you're turned away. You're turning away. Fahum fi ghaflati mu'alidun, you're turning away from your maqsad and your purpose in life. Turning away from the maqsad and the purpose in life. You understand? It's shocking that the day of judgment is around the corner. Now you're gonna say, is it really around the corner? Yes. Whatever days are left of this world are definitely less than how many days have passed. Since the time the dunya has been created till now, majority of the time has passed. Nabi alayhi salatu wasalam said, Bu'ifthu ana wasa'akati. These gaps, please brothers, get, let's get, remove these gaps, move forward. You always notice, subhanAllah, as soon as I see one person leaves, it's just weird. Then one after another, people from the back just start leaving. Right? When you sit close together, that doesn't happen. Just, my, just always be uh, focused on this aspect. Any gathering you go, you'll see this. When you sit separately, people just, whew, just start just walking away. But when you sit together, that doesn't happen. Because why? You are much more prone. You're surrounded by... When you're surrounded with your fellow Muslim brothers, there's a less chance of shaitan getting in between. But when you're sitting alone there, you're surrounded by all sorts of different whispers. And of course, we have our phones. You know, when you're sitting in the crowd, it's kind of hard to pull out your phone. The guy's looking at you. Come on, man, put your Facebook away, put your Twitter away, put your TikTok away. But when you're sitting alone against the wall, you can be doing all sorts of stuff. And we might be thinking that uh, we're actually attending the dars. You know, subhanAllah, I'm, I'm being obvious, be, be, you know, clear here. Sometimes moms drop off their kids. Say, oh, did you see the kid? I, I don't know. Then he comes out of the bathroom, you know, one and a half hour later. This thing is attending the tafsir dars. Right? Or comes, coming out from somewhere else. So you, you being dropped off, those of you, you youngsters who are coming with your parents. I mean, seriously, if you came here, then please be focused. Right? Sit in the gathering. Come close, sit away from the wall. And if you need the wall and you're 14 years old, then you go please see a, a chiropractor, a, a back surgeon, or something else. You got some major problems. Sports medicine, I don't know. Because you should not have back problems at this young age. So Allah is, is, is saying here that these people are absolutely heedless even though Qiyamah is right in front of them. How is Qiyamah right in front of them? Because the, the amount of years left for the world to end is less than the amount of years that have passed. Number two is مَنْ مَاتَ فَقَدْ قَامَتْ قِيَامَتُهُ is the saying, whoever dies, his day of judgment has begun. Whoever dies, his day of judgment has begun. You don't need to wait for the, that Qiyamah. Because as soon as a soul gets pulled out and a person's body is lowered into the grave, the questioning will begin. And the grave will, will already be a uh, representation of how we spent our life. What happens in the hereafter is another thing. Nabi Uthman would pass by the graveyard and he would cry. He would cry so much 
بكى حتى تبل لحيته he cried so much يبكي حتى تبل لحيته he cried so much until his beard would become wet with tears so someone said تذكر الجنة والنار ولا تبكي جنة and جهنم are mentioned and you don't cry or don't cry as much how is it that when you pass by the, day, uh, the, pass by the graveyard you cry so much how many times you and I pass by the graveyard every day to work maybe every day going to school how often have you stopped and cried while driving by so Uthman of Allah would sit there and cry and he said, why are you crying? He said, because I've heard the Prophet ﷺ saying, the, meaning, the near meaning of this is that, Indeed, the grave is the first, uh, first stage from the stages of the hereafter. Whoever, whoever gets himself saved from the punishment of the grave, What will come after that will be much easier. And whoever gets stuck, in this stage, then what awaits him will be far worse. The grave is the first stage of the stages of the hereafter. The Prophet ﷺ mentioned hadith, ما رأيت منظراً أفضع من I have never seen, I have never seen a sight that is more intimidating than that of the grave. And then the Prophet ﷺ mentioned that had I, not be, had I not had the fear that you would stop burying your dead in the grave, and instead you would just let them stay outside and let their bodies rot. I would have asked Allah to remove the veils between you and the grave for you to see what happens inside. And if you were to see what happens to the dead inside the grave, then you would never want to put your own dead, your own dead relatives inside. For, the, for you would be overwhelmed with fear that my mom, my dad, my spouse, my children, my relative, my uncle, my aunt, maybe going through the same unbelievable punishment that I am seeing happening in the other graves. So the grave is, is something definitely that should be a wake-up call. Rasulullah said that, that go visit the graveyards. Go visit the graveyards. He instructed us to go visit. Because to ذَكِّرُكُمْ بِالْمَوْتِ It will remind you of, the, of death. And when a person, uh, Rasulullah mentioned one hadith, أُذْكُرُوا هَذِمَ الْلَذَّاتِ Consistently, abundantly remember the destroyer of pleasures. The destroyer of pleasures. And what is that? Al-Maut. Sometimes if you feel like, beloved students and dear brothers and sisters, you feel like you're really going off track. And you're like, your indulgence in your lustful desires has overtaken you. You know what you need to do? You seriously just need to go and attend a funeral. You need to go sit in a graveyard. Yeah, even in the nighttime. It's scary. You're like, oh, I'm alive. I got my phone flashlight with me. I've got friends with me and I can't step into the graveyard. How many of you have the courage to do that? Right? To go step in a graveyard. Or to go sit there alone. Let your friends stay in the car. You sit alone by a grave. And you say, I'm going to be here seriously alone. Not for one minute, for two minutes, three minutes. For millions of years. 100% alone. No flashlight. No, 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 no phone, no satellite phone, nothing, 100, no wife, no husband, no kids, no parents, no friends, no click, 100% alone. And it's not a doubtful thing. Everyone, all of us were sitting here listening and no speaker and every single person was not listening. All must have the same ending. But we are just so far away from that reality. Graveyards are also built outside of the towns. And then they do such nice, beautiful landscaping too that you forget what it's about. You think it's a, a place to get married or something. It looks like a garden. Right? SubhanAllah, when you go to the graveyard, how often are you thinking about death? Because it's just made so beautiful and taken care of it.
You know, it's out of the town also. You don't really think about this is where it is. But you go to the original Islamic graveyard, say Jannat al-Baqi or Jannat al-Ma'alla in Medina or Mecca, and you see that's a real graveyard. You see, this is the haqiqah. SubhanAllah, it's dust. مِنَا خَلَقْنَاكُمْ وَفِيهَا نُعِيدُكُمْ وَمِنَا نُخْرِجُكُمْ تَعْرَةً أُخْرَى We came from the earth, we're going back into the earth, and from the earth we're going to be resurrected again. So if one great way to control strong lustful desires and a person who's deviating from the right path is to go visit the graveyard, to go attend janazas, to go visit dying people, to go visit sick people. And when you go and you see all of these things, it will soften the heart insha'Allah. The Prophet ﷺ told us to, in order to soften the heart, he said, put your hand on the head of an orphan. This softens the heart. So sometimes parents and youth are also complaining, my heart is hard, what should I do? I've tried this, I've tried that, you know, I went to this program, that program, nothing is affecting my son or daughter. And Allah knows best, but I think a very great experience would be is to go on a, on a tour, or rather go on a, you know, a mission, and to go to those areas that are now, that are, that where refugees have, have, have gathered, whether it's Jordan, whether it is uh, you know, Bangladesh, whether it is uh, some Turkey, etc., where you have this g- thousands of people who have been kicked out of their homes because of civil wars or because of external forces pushing them out, and you go and you stay there for a few days, looking at the condition of your own people whose name is Aisha and Muhammad, right? and people who look just like you and who look better than you, and you see how they've lost everything and how they're living. And that, inshallah, may soften our hearts when you spend a few days serving them. And, and, and just you learn to appreciate the blessings we have. My beloved brothers and sisters, one major reason of our disobedience against Allah, one major reason for our indulgence in sin, one major reason for us turn, giving a cold shoulder to the commands of Allah is because we are seriously ungrateful bunch of people. We don't appreciate Allah. We don't appreciate the blessings we have. We never thank Him. And this is the reason. This is what we call kufr. Kufr is the opposite of shukr. Shukr is to be grateful is to be ungrateful. So why are we ungrateful? Because we think we deserve all of this. We think we are somehow superior to other people. We somehow think that we are entitled to all of this. But when you go see people who seriously have better character than us, who are more righteous and pious than us, who are more even beautiful than us, who are everything are better, but subhanAllah, Allah subhanAllah tested them by taking away these things. And you say, well, I could have been in their shoes. I could have, I could have lost my mom and dad at a young age. I could have lost my siblings. I could have lost you know, food and electricity in a house. All, all of a sudden, you see 12 million people have become homeless in Pakistan overnight. 12 million people. 12 million people. Think about that. Right? SubhanAllah, if you get an opportunity to go, those brothers who are from Pakistan, maybe going visiting relatives, go to those areas that people have, have lost everything. Spend, this is such a good exercise for us younger people. And adults too, of course, all. But it's very much needed for all of us to go and spend some time in these refugee camps. And, and, and see what the condition of people is. And then you'll make us realize that we don't even deserve hot water at home. I remember one brother who had gone to Bangladesh, or he went to a Burmese refugee camp. He was telling me when he came back, he said, for five, six days, I couldn't even have the guts to turn on the hot water tap in my shower. I just couldn't. After seeing what I saw, I felt guilty using hot water in the shower. Right? And another one I met, I met him at a, at, a, at, a, at a wedding like Qur'an Khatam. It was just very lavish. And the brother had just come back. And literally, he didn't eat anything. He met me. I said, you're not eating. He said, I can't eat anything. I just came back yesterday from there. Looking at this food makes me nauseous. When I saw what people over there are going through, when they have nothing, how can I even allow myself to eat such lavish food with so many different varieties? When I saw thousands of Muslim people you know, who, who were just living off on literally an egg, one boiled egg per day. Right? SubhanAllah. 
So that is just a piece of advice for myself and fathers and mothers and youngsters as well. You want to soften your heart, this is the way to do that. You want to create, you want to remove ghafla, is to go visit those who have less than us. Spend time in those places, spend time with the orphans. And inshallah, and spend time with those at the graves. Spend time in the graveyard. This will create an awakening within us. This will destroy this uh, intoxication of lusts. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, they're in ghafla. So there's, let's share some, some incidents from the companions. Uh, Amr bin Rabi'ah says that uh, a man from the Arab came to him. So Amr, uh, he, he, he honored him and, um, and, and took care of him. وَكَلَّمَ فِيهِ رَسُولُ اللَّهِ And then he spoke to Rasulullah about him. So the man came to him and he said, إِنِّي إِسْتَقْطَعْتُ مِنْ رَسُولُ اللَّهِ فِي الْعَرَبِ this man came back to Amir and said, I went to Rasulullah and I requested him for a, a parcel of land. And Alhamdulillah, Rasulullah gave me a big parcel of land. So you have been so kind to me, O Amir, as a, as a host, I would like to dedicate a portion of the land to you and give you the ownership of it, that it will belong to you and your generations to come will benefit off of this land. فَقَالَ عامر, عَامِرْ said, لَا حَاجَةَ لِي فِي قَطِيَعْتِكَ I'm sorry, I have no need for this gift. I don't need this piece of land. He said, why? نَزَلَتْ أَلْيَوْمَ سُورَةٌ أَذْهَلَتْنَا عَنِ الدُّنْيَا He said, oh my guest, today a surah was revealed upon the Prophet ﷺ that has made us forget any dunya. And that was this surah, Surah Al-Anbiya. He said, this opening verse is so powerful, it made me completely forget any desire for ownership of anything. It is also mentioned of another companion of the Prophet ﷺ that he was جداراً, he was building a wall around the house. Another Sahabi passed by him on the day this surah was revealed. So the person who was building the wall saw the one come passing by and he said, Hey, you're coming from the masjid. What new verses was revealed upon to the Prophet ﷺ today? Like you say, hey, what were, I missed the Aisha today. What was the Khatir after Aisha today? Right? So he says, what was the revelation today? What was the Quranic revelation today? SubhanAllah. So he said to him, Today a verse revealed, this first verse, he recited to him. So he said, this companion was building the wall around his house. فَنَفَضَ يَدَهُ مِنَ الْبُنْيَانِ He took his hands and he dusted them clean from the mortar and brick and the sand that he was using to build his wall around this house. وَقَالَ وَاللَّهِ لَا بَنَيْتُ أَبَدًا I swear by Allah I can never build again. How can I be building a wall when the time of our departure has arrived is already here, past tense. And I'm sitting here busy building a wall. So those people who are always thinking about death and preparation for the death, they will not be too focused upon all of these things of this dunya. Beloved friends, if you're gonna, like a scratch, let's say you've got a new car or old car, whatever the case may be. If you're one of those people who say, oh my God, it's a new car. Oh my God, I got a scratch. Now I gotta go get this thing fixed. And until that doesn't get fixed, I can concentrate my prayer, I can't take care of anything else. And then what happens? You fix it and the way coming back, you get another scratch. And then eventually you say, okay, this is crazy, man. Right? Most of us understand that this is, this is dunya. You have to understand your house, your car, your bicycle, your glasses, your watch. Every single thing is dunya. It's meant to be used and it's meant to deteriorate. As soon as a car gets off of the lot, what happens? Immediately depreciation starts. 
As soon as you move into a house, immediately it starts getting used and it starts getting you, yani, it starts going down in, 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 in how it was the first day you moved in. That's, that's how the, as soon as a child is born, as soon as you hear that screaming sound of this child, what's happening? He's getting closer to his death. What is a birthday? The birthday is when you celebrate one year closer to dying. Right? That's what it is. It's, it's an idea, it's a moment for you to reflect that I'm closer one year to my death. You're looking from the, uh, this side, that I'm year, one year older, but, or one year away from my birth. But subhanAllah, you're one year closer to death. So birthday should be a moment of reflection, major reflection, that how much have I gained in this past year? Uh, now what will remove ghafla? One, one powerful thing that will remove ghafla is knowledge. If a person does not have knowledge, beloved friends, we will never be able to know how to get out of this heedlessness. When you want to travel to a new country, you need to learn about the hotels, the cuisine, the currency, the language, and the famous places to visit. And then you're going only for one week, but you do so much planning, so much vacation planning. And you ask all these people, oh, what's there to do and how to go about and so forth. We are going on a journey that is much longer than any vacation. People get sentenced to prison. You just heard about that incident in Baltimore, right? Where that Muslim guy was, 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 was uh, sentenced for I don't know how many decades, but he came out after three decades. There's some people come out after four decades. Huge sentences, but eventually they come out. Our journey to the hereafter is one which has absolutely no return ticket. We're never gonna come back. How much are we spending time studying the currency of the hereafter? Studying the language of the hereafter? Studying the whereabouts of where we're gonna be? What's our address over there? The currency of the hereafter is not Bitcoin. It's not dollars. It's not stocks. The currency of the hereafter is A'mal, good deeds. That's what we need to be working on. That we need to all become millionaires in A'mal. We need to all become millionaires in A'mal. Go bring back you know, in from, uh, uh, you're coming from Umrah and you have five, six hundred, let's say a thousand riyals in your wallet. You come back, land at O'Hare, go to the first McDonald's and try, that's there in O'Hare and go try to buy a Pepsi. And he says, what are you doing? Okay, man, I'll give you a hundred. No, man, this thing is only one dollar for Pepsi. He's I'll give you a hundred. He says, I can't take it. Give two hundred, three hundred. Give him a thousand riyals. You gonna take it? Gone. Thousand riyals is ten, hundreds of times more I'm giving you than what, you, what the price of this one Pepsi is. But he'll say, no, I'm sorry, that doesn't work over here. You gotta put your uh, thousand riyals back and give me a dollar. That's what I want. Qiyamah is about, and the day of judgment is about a'mal. All the currencies that you and I have been accumulating, in, uh, and we think of ourselves to be millionaires, in all sorts of things, will have absolutely no bearing. Bring us the a'mal, a'mal talk. Everything else, put it away. No card, nothing, everything. My beloved friends, this is the ghafra we're talking about. Today, where do we stand? How is the dunya running towards accumulating mass amounts of money from halal and haram? How sad it was today. This past week we heard about a FBI sting operation busted, what, 48 people from a $250 million you know, of defraudment of government money. 250 million, 275 million or something like that. Out of the 48 people, 47 are Muslim. Right? Not to say non-Muslim, no, subhanAllah, non-Muslims are doing even crazier things than that. But the point is, even a person who's a Muslim, where's the fear of Allah? Where is the fear of Allah just for the sake of money? That's what happens when you become a, intoxicated with the love of money. Crazy things happen. A person doesn't care whether it comes from halal or it comes from haram. Beloved friends, get, attending gatherings like these, gatherings of knowledge, gatherings of tafsir, gatherings of dhikr, this is what's going to get us, knock us out of the heedlessness. 
Think about it. If you are coming, if you're returning back to tafsir or returning back to this session after three weeks or four weeks, look at where you were three weeks ago. Look at where you were. If you didn't attend any gathering of knowledge and thicker for the past three weeks, 100%, you have taken a deep dive. There's no way you couldn't have. Three weeks we Now you have to start all over again. Every single time we miss one session, you're starting from ground zero. If we're, on the, if we're not going anywhere else. We're not attending any gathering of knowledge and dhikr. Week after week after week, what happens? The corrosion of the dunya overtakes us. So this is where we come out of our ghafla. Allah Azza wa Jal, He says after that, the sad situation of, the, of these people is that any new reminder comes, they don't listen to it, but that they are making a joke out of it. You know, although this was revealed about the non-Muslims, the mushrikeen, unfortunately, unfortunately, this applies greatly to the Muslims as well. That whenever they hear the Qur'an, you know, those who are not, that the, the, the small minority that listens to the, to the, follows the Qur'an, believes in the Qur'an, that's fine. But the vast majority, the Qur'an doesn't mean anything to them. Right? Whether they're living in Muslim countries or elsewhere. So when people were to recite Qur'an to them, they laugh. Today, there's a whole movement against hijab. Right? Within the Muslim community, you have so many women who are removing their hijab, girls removing their hijab, for example. And mothers and fathers also pushing them. Some girls were telling me, the students, that you know, some, many times the girls want to wear the hijab, but it's their own mothers and fathers who say, oh, it's not safe, you're going to college, take it off. Right? SubhanAllah, look at that. Right? So the, the Qur'an is literally like a joke. Like a joke. Brother, the Qur'an is saying, stay away from riba, perform a salah, lower your gaze, guard your gaze, uh, protect yourself from, uh, from zina, uh, stay, stay far away from it, stay away from intoxicants, uh, be respectful to your parents. What does that mean to you? If you say, La ilaha illallah Muhammad Rasulullah, how can these words not have an effect? How can we just blindly turn away from them and demand from our children to go, uh, uh, go against the Qur'an? You have an exam tomorrow, go to sleep, don't worry about Aisha. You have, you have to be fresh for your basketball practice, huh? You leave Fajr. These are the statements at home. That even children who want to practice the deen many times, unfortunately, are pushed back by parents. And then there's the other ones, where children want to go for, uh, the, the parents want the children to go forward, but the, forward, the children have been so sucked up into ghafla, 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 heedlessness of TikTok and whatnot, that they cannot understand what their parents are saying. So this verse, although it was revealed about that time, but we see that today, Unfortunately, the response to the Qur'an is such that, that it is as though it's a joke. Kiska kalam, whose speech is this? The, the, uh, uh, the sha'ir, he says, the poet, he says, Aya ghafilan tubdil isa'ata wal jahla Mata tashkurul mawla ala kulli ma awla Alayka ayadihi al-kiramu Wa anta la tarahu Ka'anna al-ayna amya'u aw hawla La'anta kamasku min hawal misku jaybahu ولكنه المحروم ما شمه أصلا إلى متى أنت باللذات مشغول وأنت عن كل ما قدمت مسؤول فيا خجلي منه إذا هو قال لي أيا عبدنا هلا قرأت كتابنا أما تستحي منا ويكفيك ما جرى أما تخشى من عتبنا يوم جمعنا أما آن أن تغدو عن الذنب راجعا وتنظر فيما به قد جرى فيه وعدنا The poet says that oh the heedless individual how dare you show Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala disrespect and ignorance? And how can you not? When will the time will come when you will become grateful to your Lord for that which He has given you? He has, he has showered upon you His blessings. Yet you do not recognize them. Let you do not see them. It's as though you are blind or one-eyed or cock-eyed. 
It's as though you are someone who is suffering from uh, a cold. While musk, the fragrance of musk is filling his pocket, yet he cannot smell it. And indeed, the deprived one is the one who cannot smell the fragrance that is right in front of him. He says, till when will you continue to be uh, swimming in your pleasures and you, while you know that you will be asked about everything you have done? Oh, my, oh shame upon me when my Lord will tell me, Oh my servant, did you not read our book? Oh my servant, do you not have any shame from us? Are you not afraid? Are you not, is it not, does it not suffice you? To, does it not suffice for you to study what has been mentioned to you in, in my book? And are you not afraid of our anger the day you and I will be gathered? The day Allah will gather us in front of Him. Has not the time come that you give up your sins, repenting from that which you have done, and start looking forward to the day when our promises will come true? Right? So this is... Subhanallah, the ghafla that the poet is speaking about, and the biggest ghafla, beloved friends, the ghafla from the Quran. The, uh, the, 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 one of the Mufassirin, he says beautifully, he says, Hajaruhu wa qara'uhu ala al amwat, wa lam yakra'uhu ala al ahya, wa qara'uhu fil munasabat, wa lam yakra'uhu fil mulimmat. He says they've reduced the Quran to a mere uh, thing to be read in uh, occasions. Right to be read at opening statements. Come, come, let's look at the weddings of today. The dance is happening, the music is happening, the mixing is happening, a haram is happening, everything is happening. But then they have some hafizab come, or some random person butcher the Quran, come and read out there. What is that supposed to be? Is this, yito, this is a mockery of the Quran. What in this room is happening that has anything to do with the Quran? Every haram is happening in these type of weddings, in these type of occasions, but then the Qur'an is recited. To all of a sudden put a kosher stamp, a halal stamp on it. And all the women who are dressed improperly, many times they will throw on the scarves, right? The, the, what they call them? The convertible hijabs, right? Will come in, and at least in one sense, in one sense, I must say there's some haya, which is good, that when the Qur'an is being recited, you know, they want to cover themselves up. That's in one way, it's good. But subhanAllah, it's just generally, it's just a mockery of the Qur'an, that the Qur'an is being recited. He says, how come the Qur'an is being recited upon the dead? When someone dies, everyone has a Qur'an khani. Come over to the house, we'll have some dinner, and let's read Qur'an together. And the paras are distributed. Alright? And then he says, when the time is not, the Qur'an is not to be read upon the dead. The Qur'an is to be recited when you're alive. Right? SubhanAllah, what benefit is it when people are reading on your dead body? How often did we read it while we were alive? It is, the Qur'an is not to be sit there and adorn the beautiful shelves. The Qur'an is to adorn our hearts. It is not to be collecting dust there for people to come see. It's a, a beautiful portrait. Hey, can you read what this says? No, that's, that's not really gonna bring any necessarily barakah into our house. The barakah comes when ayatul kursi is on my tongue and my heart. Not necessarily when it's hanging on the wall in a very beautiful you know, form of calligraphy. That, I'm not saying there's anything wrong with that. But let's not think that that's what Islam is about. Islam is about bringing the Qur'an from the shelf into the wall. Right? SubhanAllah. One scholar brother gave a good example. He said uh, that there was a, uh, you know, a village in which that was continuously, uh, it's a story, that was being attacked by a, a tiger that had gone wild and was going every single night and attacking the uh, people of the village. And people were dying. Livestock were dying, people are dying. So they put a guard there, and the guard, he couldn't stop. He would say, this tiger comes in and is, is just taking away kids, taking away livestock. So they said, we have to go and buy him a, a, a big rifle. So they went to town, they went to the big city, and they went and bought a rifle and many bullets. And they went and gave it to this guard, who was a simple villager. 
And they said, listen, we came back from the city, and the people in the city said, this bullet here is so powerful. If this thing can knock out a raging, roaring a tiger or a, uh, a elephant that's even coming to it, a huge elephant, you shoot this at that, gone. That elephant's going to fall right to the ground, and you'll be saved. So you, from tonight, you're going to be armed with, this, with these bullets. And this. So he said, okay, great. So the next night, they all went to sleep thinking, inshallah, nothing will happen tonight. They wake up in the morning, you know, they see him even more harm. And now they go outside and they see, what happened to the guard? They see the guard is about to breathe his last. He's about to die. And so what in the world happened to you? Out of all the days, how in the world is it today that after we've given you the rifle, that you have, you're, out, uh, you're breathing your last. And he said, he was so sad and upset. And he said, I don't understand why you all put me in this trap. He said, you, what happened? He said, I did exactly what you did. And I swear, I wish I had never listened to you. I wish I had never had this thing that you gave me. I said, why? He said, because when I saw that tiger coming out of the jungle in the night, attacking the village, I did exactly what you did. I took that bullet and I threw it at him. <laughs> and as soon as I did it, I was waiting for him to, 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 to die on the spot. And instead, he got so angry and came right at me. And this is what he's done to me. You know, attack me and I'm about to die. So he said, you fool, this is not what you're supposed to do. You're supposed to put the bullet inside the rifle and shoot it. You're not supposed to throw the rifle at it, what, uh, the bullet at it. What's that going to do? That's not going to do anything. The, the bullet has no, no effect. If, it, if, it's, if it's thrown from your hand, you have to put it inside the rifle and shoot it. That's when it becomes effective. So then this brother gave the example. He said, this is the book of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. The book of Allah, we say, brother, it's very powerful. Huh? The Quranic verses are very powerful, very nice. We tell all the Christians and the Jews, we are the people of the Quran. Brother, here's a translation. Let me go get it from the masjid. Read it, read it, read it. Huh? We're telling all the people to read the Quran. How often have we read it? How many times have we read it cover to cover? The translation and the Arabic. So we're telling people the Quran is, is the way to go. And our success lies in it, and Islamic governments need to run by it, and Muslims need to run the, govern their houses by it. But what is it? We're, and we see we've got divorces happening, children going crazy, leaving the home, leaving Islam, changing their gender, right? All kinds of crazy things are happening in our home. Fire, every house is on fire. And you wonder, why? Because the Quran is in the bookshelf. And at most, the Quran is simply being recited by a few people, parrot fashion. It's not in practice. So when it's not this right here, the heart and the body is the barrel of the gun. When the Qur'an is placed into the heart, and when it's in the body, subhanAllah, then that walking Qur'an will be just amazing. Wherever this Qur'an, this man will go, khair and barakah will come. Forget about his house being right. His house will be right, and the whole community will be right. His business will be right. Everything will just be awesome when Qur'an will be in our life. But simply talking about it, and leaving it on the shelf is, is a different thing. So now, when we are uh, uh, arguing with our spouse, ask ourselves, what does the Qur'an say? Forget what society says is the rights of a husband and a wife. Forget what society says that what a man and a wife, so women are supposed to do. What does my deen say? And remember, Qur'an is nothing without the hadith. We can, I would have to just, just keep quiet if we didn't have hadith. Every single tafsir that we do, what is the hadith? Hadith is an extension of the Qur'an. It is the explanation of the Qur'an. Without hadith, you're not going to have anything. The Qur'an says, يُضِلُّ بِهِ كَثِيرًا وَيَهْدِي بِهِ كَثِيرًا وَمَا يُضِلُّ بِهِ لَلْفَاسِقِينَ That Allah, misk, Allah allows people to be misguided through the Qur'an. And Allah guides people through the Qur'an. The Qur Allah Himself says in Surah Al-Baqarah in the third page, that people recite the Qur'an, have the Qur'an to be misguided. When you become misguided, when you misunderstand it, when you misunderstand, look at, look at medication, any medication, 
If you take it, if it's like, oh brother, this is the best medicine for a cough, best medicine for cancer, best medicine for diabetes. That same medication where people prescribe, doctors prescribe, and it's supposed to be a benefit to you. If you eat it in a manner that is not what it's prescribed by, it's gonna mess you up. Or you take it before the time, after the time, or more than you're supposed to, or less than you're supposed to, it's gonna mess it up. So you have to follow the prescription. What exactly what he says, three times a day, two times a day, once a day. If you just take a chug it down, 10 tablets, of course you're gonna die. So the Qur'an as well, the one who prescribes it is Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa What did he say about each verse? What is the explanation of each verse? If and when we follow that tartib, then you'll see the Qur'an will be an amazing enlightenment for us. And if we don't follow that tartib, if we, don't, if, we, if we try to come up with our own interpretations, then we'll be in a mess. Every single deviant sect out there, who is not even Muslim, they all use the Qur'an for the proof. So what? I have a verse of the Qur'an. The Qadianis use, I told you, about 70 verses of the Qur'an to try to prove, them, prove their false deen, right? 70 verses. They're gonna be using back and forth. You're gonna see, you're gonna hear, if you ever met a Qadian, all day you're talking about Qur'an. And most of us brothers, you know, subhanAllah, are shocked. We, don't, we will not be able to continue the conversation more than a few minutes, unfortunately, because we haven't spent time studying. And that's the sad part. As a minority, they spend so much time because they know, oh, we're a minority, we need to now, we need to go and not just defend ourselves, we're gonna go convert others. Now you know that. Pakistani brothers or Indian brothers, you know these people, some of the Qadians out there, very well read and they're out there convert, trying to convert people. But what about our youth? How many of us here are so well read that we're out there not converting others, just being able to take care of ourselves? Right? So this ghafala will be removed when we start studying. So let us all make niyyah that we become and remain students of knowledge. Brothers, let me tell you one point here. Very, one of the brothers who attends here told me this. He says, I attended tafsir programs, alhamdulillah. I attended all the other durus here and retreats and every single event I'm here. But along with that, mashallah, he's been a student of knowledge here. He's attended tafeen classes and he's attended you know, whatever other classes that we hold here on the weekends. And he says, there's, there's two different things. When you attend a tafsir class or attend a hadith dars or you attend a sila conference or you attend even a winter retreat, you don't regard yourself as a student. You should, but look how many people are sitting with notebooks. How many people are sitting with taking notes? How many people are thinking, okay, I gotta know this stuff. I'm gonna go review it. It's, we're enjoying, we're benefiting, I'm not, no doubt. But we're not in a mood of being a student. We don't tell ourselves that I'm a student, I have to be here. When you sign up to a class and you sit in front of an ustad and there's like 15 people and he's taking attendance, now you have this idea that, okay, now I'm a, I'm a student enrolled in this class. I better show up every single Saturday, Sunday, Tuesday, whatever that, that class is there. And I better review my work, I better know my homework, I better do my, you know, go through my material. And he's like, there's a huge difference, and I agree with what, that, what his sentiment is, between attending and listening, casually sitting back and listening to a dars. Say, mashallah, it was very nice. But did that translate into action? Did that translate into something is a question. How have you academically, spiritually, emotionally moved forward? How have you, you know, how can you say tangibly, I have improved as a person, and I have learned these many things. These are the questions you have to ask. Let's not just simply say, I come and enjoy. You know, one time people lined up telling me, mashallah, we enjoyed your talk. One uncle, subhanAllah, rahmatullah, alayhi, passed away. He, he immediately made a comment. He said, you should tell them, you're not an entertainer. You are not an entertainer for people to come enjoy the talks. Right? This is not an entertainment business. We're here to learn. We have to say, I have, I have educated myself. I have spiritually become closer to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. These are the sins I've made tawbah from. These are the intentions I have made to now start studying. So I would request all of you to make this niyyah that you become actually a, beyond this durus that you listen to, sign up for a class. Whether here or somewhere else. But join a class where there's attendance, there's roll call, there's expectations, and you have to show up consistently. That will inshallah ta'ala help us tremendously. 
Next, Allah says, "Lahiyatan qulubuhum." When they're listening to these uh, these verses of the Quran, "Lahiyatan qulubuhum," they are listening. Uh, what you call with diverted hearts? They're not listening attentively. They're not listening attentively. Already Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala said they're listening while they're playing and jesting, making a joke out of it. A number two attribute, they're listening while their hearts are diverted. Go try and speak to people, give da'wah to people, you know, Muslim countries, I've tried this, and you go see it. You try to, give, you try to recite the verse. The Quran says this, and people look at you and say, what? <laughs> what are you talking about, man? Like, who cares what the Quran says? Unfortunately, our own Muslim people, they will look at you and say, what is the, who cares what the Quran says? So, Many times we think that we can just go read a verse of the Quran and someone will listen to it and they'll say, I, will, I repent. It's not going to happen like that. It's not going to happen like that. You have to build within them iman and isti'adat to listen to the Quran. Got it? You have to build within them iman and isti'adat. A person says that my daughter or my son is, is not praying. So I'm just going to go say the Quran says that. They will just, Allah forbid, turn around and say, I don't care the Quran says that. That's, remember, we have been instructed when a person is dying, do not tell him recite the kalima. You're aware of this? When someone is dying, do not tell him recite the kalima. Because he might be in pain, he might be groggy with the medication, he might not try to understand, he's going through a lot of frustration, and he might say, no I won't, I don't want to. And he may give you a response like that, and what will happen, his entire iman will be in jeopardy. He lived a life as a Muslim, then you told him to recite the kalima, and he got upset, frustrated, and now he says, forget it. You know, I'm not gonna say it. We've ended up becoming a means of possibly him leaving the fold of Islam. So that is why what happens? You're supposed to do talqeen. You're supposed to sit around the dying person and recite, La ilaha illallah, La ilaha illallah, Muhammad Rasulullah, La ilaha illallah. So when he hears it, inshallah, when he hears people reciting it, hopefully he'll begin to recite it. What do we learn from this? That people who are not ready within our own families might be your own son, your own daughter, your own sibling, your own parent. They are unfortunately maybe so called Muslims, but their level of iman is so weak. When you present them a verse of the Quran or a hadith of the Prophet, they may end up refusing and rejecting it. So if the person is not praying Fajr, he's not coming for Jummah, does he become a disbeliever? Tell me. No, he's a major sin, major sin, but not a disbeliever. Now you say, do you not know Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says in 60, 70 places the Quran to pray salah, how dare you? Do you not know this? And, he's, and if he says, I don't care, I don't believe in this stuff. Now that's kufr. That's a statement of kufr. So before we dole out verses, because sometimes elders, they get in their excitement, they start coding verses of the Quran and hadith to their kids, or to their nephews and nieces and their grandkids who are not following the deen. And they think that that will somehow, all of a sudden make them listen. But that's not a smart thing to do. Because if their level of iman is not there, they may end up actually saying something by which they will end up leaving the fold of Islam. So work on their imaniyat first. Work on their, their ruhani and spirituality first, where they can say, you know what, I believe that this is the book of Allah. And until that's not done, do not order them. Say the Quran says this. Here I'm giving you a translation of the Quran. I'm giving you a translation of a hadith. It doesn't work like that. What's the best way? I say it every week. Bring them into environments. Let them just come sit. Come into an environment like this. Or any other dars that's happening in the masjids around us. Go attend a dars and let them, let, let them passively get the love of the Qur'an into their heart. Let them what? Passively. Without you directly telling them, Hey, 
follow the Qur'an because he may resort to a statement of kufr. May Allah preserve and protect us from something like that. وَأَسَرُ najwa. And then the disbelievers are quietly whispering amongst themselves. What are they saying? In هَذَا إِلَّا بَشَرٌ مِثْلُكُمْ These are the various... Now, let's quickly go through the, the accusations of the disbelievers about Rasulullah wasallam. First accusation is, إِنْ هَذَا إِلَّا بَشَرٌ مِثْلُكُمْ Okay, are you going to believe someone who is only a human being just like you? The first thing is that he is a human being just like you. So we, we spoke about this before, that there's, this is nothing wrong with that. That the fact that he's a human being like you, this is actually good. This statement, anyone who his iman has le- uh, you know left the heart, or is about to leave the heart, he says this about people who are following the deen. He says these guys who follow Islam, they're fundamentalist. In a negative sense, he'll say it. These people, they are outdated. They are living from a different era. We are already in in, in uh, era of twenty. You know what? In Mars and space station and this and that. And they're still speaking about miswak and the sunnah. That's what they'll say. They don't. They have never seen. They're bicha. They're miskin. They have never tasted the sweetness of this world. They don't know what it means to have a beautiful, expensive watch. They don't know what it means to live in a, to stay in a five hundred dollar a night resort. They have never tasted the enjoyment of expensive pair of clothes and expensive cars and that's why they sit in the corner of the masjid doing Allah, Allah, Allah you know, they're, they're, these are masakin they haven't tasted the world and what, what the ulama have said Lo some of the pious people of the past they said Lo muluku ma alayhi alayhi that if the kings were to know how much enjoyment we get in our life of simplicity in our life of connection with Allah these kings would take swords and fight us with that because we, we sleep such a beautiful sleep and we spend such a beautiful day in our communion, in our connection with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. They don't know what type of ecstasy. You think drugs gives you a high, the alcohol gives a high. The, the high that a person gets with ta'alluq with Allah by saying Allah, say Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's name, unparalleled. So this is what, what people who don't understand deen, they will say that, uh, you know, Rasulullah was just a human being. Yeah, he was smart. He was able to unite the Arabs. He was able to, um, you know, bring a lot of prosperity. And that's it. In He was just like a, a human being, just like you. What's the next? Uh, the next uh, accusation against Rasulullah sihra They used to say, "Are you seriously gonna follow Quran, which is magic?" <laughs> really, it was magic. Why? Because Rasulullah he conquered their hearts with his character. They couldn't say no to that. A person came, and uh, Rasulullah was riding a camel or his conveyance, and he had a shawl, a sheet around his neck, and a man came behind him and yanked it. He yanked it so hard, choked him, it left a mark on his neck. What would you do to a person like that? He's a random person, not his son or daughter or a relative. He looks at him. He says, what do you want? And he says, listen, I, I, want all, I want money. I want all this livestock that you have. I want a portion of it. Give me some of this stuff. It's not all yours. So Rasulullah ordered his companions to give him whatever he wants. And the man came back and he says, okay. Ashadu la ilaha illallah. 
This has to be a prophet. There's no one else besides a prophet who could be this forbearing. How could it be someone that you yank him like this? And then after that, he just casually just says, Okay, you, want, you wanted something? No problem. Here, take all this. So Rasulullah, this is mashallah, the first of Rabiul Awal. Right? So we're talking about the seed of the Prophet. Rasulullah, he truly conquered the hearts through his akhlaq. And but so that in that case, the Quran has the power of magic in terms of, of enlightening the hearts. But they didn't mean it in that sense. They are saying this is all fake, and he's a magician. And uh, uh, you, do, you, how could you? You are seeing it, and yet you are falling for it. And we're gonna say the opposite. We're saying, how dare that you actually see that this is haq, and yet you're blindly following the idols. Allah, Rasulullah then said, Okay, you can, you can accuse me of whatever you want, but my Lord knows whatever da'wah I'm giving to you and whatever responses you're giving. And all those whisperings you do behind my back, Allah Jalla Jalaluhu knows it. Allah's knowledge is all encompassing. Allah's knowledge is all encompassing. Allah knows. You know, beloved friends, this is something beautiful. I was sharing this with someone yesterday, and subhanAllah, I'm reading it today here in the tafsir. That when you, you the, speaking with Allah is easy. Dealing with Allah, you know, say He's difficult to deal with, He's easy to deal with. This guy, you want to do business, this guy, you don't want to do business. Doing business with Allah is the easiest. Because when you talk to people, what happens? You have to have, hey, where's the paperwork? Some people say, brother, bring me paperwork. Without contract, I'm not even moving anything. 50% down, 80% down, all that type of stuff. And bring me witnesses, bring me that. Hey, this is how it is, dunya. You're like, man, I don't have anything. Come on, I trust you, I'll give you the money back, or whatever the case may be. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is the easiest person to deal with. Why is that? You don't have to bring witnesses. You don't have to bring proof. You don't have to bring contracts. You don't have to bring anything. You tell someone, I'm sorry, I don't believe you. This is the third time you did this. Allah azawajal, even if it's the 69th time, 70th time, 75th time, 100th time in the same day, Allah, I'm sorry. Guess what? You don't have to bring any proof. Because Allah really knows what's in your heart. So if you are sincere, Allah automatically knows that. You don't have to sit there and say, Wallah, billah, tallah. I got all these, all these people to prove my point. No, you don't have to bring anyone. It's you and your Lord. So easy to deal with. You can't raise your hands, don't raise your hands. You can't shed tears, don't shed tears. You don't have wudu, fine. You're not facing the qibla, fine. You're lying in bed, fine. You're in your car, you're in your classroom, fine. You're in a meeting, wherever. Let the heart do the talking. Sometimes you say, I can't even, I feel so demotivated, I can't lift my hands. I feel so demotivated, I can't move my lips. I can't move my tongue, no problem. Let your heart do the talking. Many brothers and sisters, they end up making mistakes. Missing their Fajr, missing their Isha, missing their Quranic recitation, or falling into this sin, that sin. And then what happens? They start crying. They feel guilty. They say, I'm a useless person. What's the point of me coming to the masjid when I've done so many sins? And then I repent and I go do the same thing. And then I repent and I go do the same thing. I might as well stop coming to the masjid. I might as well stop going to the halaqat. I might as well stop studying ilm. Because deep down, I'm a hypocrite. Beloved friends, that, that type of humility which will make you despondent is no good. Remember that, that despondency from Allah is greater than any other sin. Whatever sin you're feeling guilty about, despondency is a greater sin than that. Whatever sin you're feeling guilty about, despondency and losing hope is a greater sin than that. Allah doesn't say in the Quran that if you, neglect, if you miss your prayer or kafir immediately, but Allah does say, لَا يَئِسُ مِنْ رُوحِ اللَّهِ إِلَّا الْقَوْمُ الْكَافِرُونَ only the disbelievers become despondent from my mercy. لا تقرأتوا بالرحمة الله Do not become despondent from my mercy 
in Allah yaghfiru dhunuba jami'a indeed Allah will forgive all the sins so let's not allow shaitan to come and say what's the point you've done this instead even if you miss every day you say ya Allah tomorrow I'm going to pray fajr in the masjid tomorrow I'm going to recite Quran tomorrow I'm not going to misuse my phone tomorrow I'm not going to speak to this person that I shouldn't be speaking with and then you end up slipping don't become despondent don't lose hope don't sit there and give up instead say ya Allah you knew last night when I repented in the masjid I was sincere I was you know that I don't need to bring any proof because you know exactly the condition of my heart so I ask you that if you knew that I was sincere that you please give me the tawfiq to remain firm on my tawbah right and to remain consistent on what I'm doing subhanallah that's how easy it is to speak to Allah Can, you can't even speak to your mom and dad like this you can't speak to your spouse like that spouses give up on one another parents give up on their kids kids give up on their parents siblings give up on one another but someone who will never give up on you is Allah that a person no matter how many how deep he may find himself in sin anytime and he chooses to turn to Allah and says ya Allah I made a mistake I want to come back to you Allah Azawajal says I'm just waiting it comes in hadith Allah waits every morning for the one who sinned all night to repent and Allah waits every evening for the one who sinned all day to repent Allah is waiting right and Allah tells the, the other creations take it easy because the sun I mean the earth and the oceans every day and the angels are begging Allah Ya Allah give us permission that we destroy this creation of yours that has chosen to become so disobedient and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala tells his creation that if you have created this human being then go ahead and do as you wish but if this human being is my creation then move away between me and him don't get between me and my, my servant I am waiting for the day he will turn to me and repent Subhanallah. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala knows, my beloved brothers, everything you and I say. Whatever niyyah you all are making right now, as you're listening to this, whatever intentions you're making, Allah is aware of that. Allah is all hearing, all knowledgeable. And then they accuse the Qur'an of being a muddle of dreams, right? That is just random thoughts that you have come. And then they say, iftarahu. No, you've just, you've just made it up like, like a, a storyteller. Bal shair. No, you are a poet. So these... If the Prophet has been accused in so many different ways so horrendously, then do not feel overwhelmed and despondent. If you are a servant of deen and people in your community do not appreciate you and accuse you. Many times people leave non-for-profit organizations, they leave the masjid, they leave leading, uh, doing khidmah in the masjid, and they start crying. They say, I can't believe it, I did it for the sake of Allah, and they all accuse me. They thought I'm doing it for my own business. They said I'm trying to promote my family. They're trying to say I'm doing this and that. And they end up leaving. No, don't leave. That's the test of your sincerity. That when people accuse you of having wrong intentions, you say, you can accuse me all you want. This is the sunnah of the prophets. This is a way to cleanse myself. I'm going to remain firm and I'm not going to stop doing what I was doing. If you're sincere, then these type of statements will not affect you. It hurts, yes. But that's what ikhlas is about. You're never doing it for the people. Why are you leaving because people are not appreciating you? Why are you leaving because people don't recognize you? Why are you appreciating people because people don't value your opinion? Who cares about that? That's what ikhlas is about. You're doing only for Allah and no Allah appreciates you. It is mentioned, subhanAllah, regarding Umar al-Khattab radiallahu anhu, that you know, in one of the occasions, it was uh, in the uh, uh, in one of the battles, a person came. He said, "Ya Amirul Mu'minin, mata khalqun kathirun." So many people have died, possibly in the battle of Qadisiyah. Thousands of Muslims died. Qala manhum? Who are these people who died? Qala inna kal atarifuhum. 
They said, oh, Amir al-Mu'mineen, you don't know them. فَبَكَى عُمَرُ Right? Umar began to profusely cry وَقَالَ وَمَا ضَرُّهُمْ أَنِّي لَا أَعْرِفُهُمْ إِذْ كَانَ اللَّهُ يَحْرِفُهُمْ He said, how will it harm them if Amir al-Mu'mineen doesn't know them, if Umar doesn't know them, when Allah knows them? They may have died. Think about that. Anytime you want to volunteer somewhere, you say, where's my name? No one's recognizing me. I'm in the back, etc., etc. All these type of things. What's the point? That's a test of ikhlas. That's a test of ikhlas. Who are you doing it for? If Allah knows you and you're sincere, doesn't it's better that you don't get recognized. It's better that no one mentions to you. You know how hard it is to be mentioned, to be recognized, to be given awards, and then to remain sincere. Very difficult. Sincerity is one of the hardest things to attain. They say it's the last thing that a person attains and it's the first thing a person loses. So that's why if a person is not being recognized, Alhamdulillah, ask Allah. Say, Ya Allah, you know, let, let me be able to do the work and let someone else get the credit. In Urdu, let the work be mine and let the name go to someone else. This is how we should all make dua. Because we are too weak. If things get attributed to us, we may end up losing whatever teeny tiny little sincerity we had. And they said, فَلْيَعْتِي نَبِي آيَةً Bring us another ayah. SubhanAllah, one beautiful point the ulama say here is that the one who cannot believe in the normal, amazing way Allah runs the universe. The one who doesn't use the universe and the creation of the human being and the changes of the seasons to get to Allah, he will never be able to believe in Allah by seeing a miracle. I repeat what this means. If the human, the, 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 the stages of the human being's formation in the womb of the mother, uh, the stages of, of, of the weather, how the weather changes, the stages of water cycle, if these things do not bring a person to believe into Allah in, upon Allah, what makes you think that breaking this tartib and seeing, seeing something like a camel coming out of a mountain, or water turning into land, land turning into water, water coming out of a stone, a hand turning into a white bright light, what makes you think that this is gonna make a person accept Islam? It won't. Because the way the normal cone, the way the normal cone, nature, the way the normal nature, the, the way it is right now, and the way it was created, is more than sufficient as a, as a miracle. Every aspect of the human being's creation, every single organ of the body, every single system of a body is a miracle. And to top it all off, the greatest miracle is what? The Qur'an. And you see how the Qur'an beautifully explains everything. If a person can't believe all of this, and he says, no, I want another miracle, you know he's not meant. Unfortunately, he's not serious about accepting Islam. Allah says, all the previous nations also never accepted when they, were, when they got what type of... Uh, what you call? What, what type of miracle that they're asking for? When you don't want to believe, then you come up with a thousand excuses. Why is it not like this? Why is it not like this? Why? That means you don't want to believe. You just keep on asking, demanding. Just listen to what's being given to you and follow it. The more questioning, that means you're not really serious. Last ayat, that every single of the previous nations were all, uh, were all re- did not receive, no one received an angel as a prophet. They all received humans and they all received men. So stop complaining why is Rasulullah sent as a human being. And uh, if you don't believe this, go find out from the the scholars of the Christians and the Jews and they'll tell you how the previous prophets were another explanation of this that 
our Ustad and Shaykh Munabaydullah was just mentioning when I was traveling with him is that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala he was quoting Imam um, Mujaddid al-Fithani rahmatullahi alayhi he says Ajib, I will end on this point he said that when he dhikr asked the people of dhikr when you don't know he said dhikr let's take it in the meaning of dhikr of Allah and Allah in this ayah is as though saying that when you, when you have a question that you need to be, get answered, then don't just ask any knowledgeable person. Don't ask any scholar. Ask that knowledgeable scholar whose heart is connected with Allah. Who is not simply knowledgeable in his brain and has a lot of data and information, but whose heart is always beating with the love of Allah. He's from amongst the vaqirin. He said, those are the people that you should ask a fatwa from. Not people only who have knowledge. Because pure, raw knowledge without the remembrance of Allah can actually become very, very detrimental. And then the second most amazing thing he said was that when you, if you have no scholar who, has, who is connected with Allah, who is a vaqir in your community, and you have to ask a fatwa, a question, then go ask that scholar, but do not stay too much in his company. Ask and leave. Because a person of knowledge whose heart is not connected with Allah, his pr- staying in his presence can actually be harmful. Because that knowledge is not protected with dhikr. And so that knowledge is very susceptible to deception of shaitan. وَأَضَلَّهُ اللَّهُ عَلَىٰ عِلْمٍ As Allah says in the Quran, Allah allowed him to be misled even though he had knowledge. So ilm without dhikr is super detrimental. Ilm without dhikr is super detrimental. All the fatwas, the, all, the mis, all, the, all the deception of the world, everyone who's being misled, they all got a wrong fatwa from someone. To do, I got a fatwa from this, I got a fatwa from that. Where is that coming from? That comes from scholars who have ilm but no dhikr. Who have no connection with a, with a proper mentor. Who do things based on their whims and desires. Who study text based on what I think, what my nafs tells me to say. And not under the guidance of a murabbi, of a mentor, of a shaykh. So what did he say? If you have no one like that available, ask and leave because staying in the company of such people actually will, instead of benefit, it will be harmful. Subhanallah. From deducted from this ayah here. Fasa'ulah ask the people of remembrance if you do not know. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala make you and I from the people of remembrance. And may He grant us the, the, uh, the company of the people of remembrance. Amin Rabbil Alameen. This is... Um, uh, I guess yeah, it's kind of late, so inshallah we won't do questions right now. We'll just do a few minutes of dhikr, and and we'll end with that. Do you have a QR code? Yeah, and uh, a couple announcements that we have inshallah. This Friday night we have Dr. Sheikh Hussein Sattar uh, from Sacred Learning going to be visiting our community. Uh, he had given the talk last time he spoke here was the grand opening a year and a half ago at the seminary. That mashallah uh, was an amazing event. Actually, no, he spoke in the retreat as well, Saturday after Dhuhr. So please make sure you're here this Friday night after Salatul Isha. He's going to be speaking about an interesting topic about sleep and Sunnah. And how this, when not sleeping according to Sunnah, what are the various types of mental and emotional and physical problems our community is suffering from? Okay, so this is a very interesting topic, much needed because a lot of the emotional problems, depression, this and that that we're hearing about, a lot of that is related to not sleeping properly according to the sunnah. So make sure you're here Friday night, inshallah, after Salatul Isha, where this topic will be discussed. Additionally, I request you to take a quick scan of this QR code to join the um, tafsir reminders via text. For those of you who are receiving texts, it asks you for a date of birth. Did anyone get to receive a question where it asks you a date of birth? 
No? Okay, some of you listening might have asked your data about it. Don't get scared. No one's trying to steal your identity. The the software that was being used, the app, was actually school software. And so it it automatically sends a question asking for your date to make sure you are under 18, a high school student, or whatever. You know, that type of thing like that. Or something something like that. But you don't have to lie about your date. You can put it in. But that's the only reason it's asking for a date. It's It's not some fraud anything if you've received a text message asking your date that is not something that you have to uh, be worried about so if you are not already receiving text messages kindly please take a quick um, uh, uh, picture of that uh, inshallah tomorrow Wednesday the, we'll have a program for little kids what is this called what is that called huh? anyone remember huh? for Wednesday I don't remember for little children it's Toddlers, something for ages three to five. Um, so, I'm, uh, yeah, this is between I think eleven o'clock tomorrow. So you can come and you can do on-site registration. Uh, so for anyone, yeah, it's called Mini Muslims. That's cute, Mini Muslims, right? Second and fourth Wednesday of every month, and it's ages zero to five. Ages zero to five, ten thirty a.m. And you can uh, register just when you arrive. So this is for moms with their uh, Mini Muslims, mashallah. Uh, ages zero to five, and moms have to stay with their kids. It's not a this is not a babysitting session, <laughs> right? So that's gonna happen tomorrow, inshallah. Um, and what else is there? And then the Friday night session. Any other things? Yeah. And then we'll continue with those who are in the Monday nights. We have the dars of Bukhari, and we have uh, on Thursday nights we have a salawat upon the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam. And Saturday mornings we have our team fajr, which is a dars and tazkiyah followed by a breakfast. So please join 6 o'clock as Fajr. It's a great time for you to enjoy breakfast as well and a dars on, on spirituality with the community. We ask Allah Azza wa Jalla to accept all of us who have come here today. Grant us istiqamah and steadfastness. Let us uh, do a dhikr for a few minutes. Inshallah, and then uh, end with dua. There is a book in English that is found in the bookstore on the virtues and the proofs for doing dhikr collectively and individually, out loud and softly. If you are interested and if you have questions about it, please pick up that book from the bookstore downstairs. La ilaha illallah Muhammadur Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam La ilaha illallah 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 Muhammadur Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam 
صلى الله على محمد صلى الله عليه وسلم 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 استغفر الله 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 صلى الله على محمد صلى الله عليه وسلم 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 بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم اللهم انت سلام ولك السلام وتبارك ايذ الجلال والاكرام اللهم لك الحمد كله ولك الشكر كله اللهم لا نحصي ثناء عليك انت كما اثنيت على نفسك اللهم يا حي يا قيوم يا احد الصمد الذي لم يلد ولم يولد ولم يكن له كفوا احد ظلمنا انفسنا وان لم تغفر لنا وترحمنا لنكونن من الخاسرين اللهم صل على سيدنا محمد صلاه تنجينا بها من جميع الاحوال والافات وتقضي لنا بها جميع الحاجات وتطهرنا بها من جميع السيئات وترفعنا بها عندك على الدرجات وتبلغنا بها اقصى الغايات من جميع الخيرات في الحياه بعد الممات انك على كل شيء قدير اللهم يا حنان يا منان يا بديع السماوات والارض اغفر لنا ذنوبنا واسرافنا في امرنا وثبت اقدامنا وانصرنا على قوم الكافرين اللهم نور قلوبنا بعلمك واستعمل ابداننا لطاعتك اللهم ربنا لا تزغ قلوبنا بعد اذ هديتنا وهب لنا من لدنك رحمه انك انت الوهاب نسال الله العظيم رب العرش العظيم ان يشفيها 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 اذهب الباس رب الناس لا شفاء الا شفاء شفاء لا يغادر سقما اذهب الباس رب الناس شفاء الا شفاء شفاء لا يغادر سقما اذهب الباس رب الناس لا شفاء الا شفاء شفاء لا يغادر سقما اللهم اغفر لنا والمؤمنين والمؤمنات والمسلمين والمسلمات على حياء منهم الاموات انك سميع قريب مجيب الدعوات اللهم اغفر لنا والمؤمنين والمؤمنات اللهم اغفر لنا ولاساتذتنا ولمشايخنا ولمن حقه علينا ولمن اوصانا بالدعاء اللهم نور قلوبنا بعلمك واستعمل ابداننا لطاعتك يا الله يا اسكر اكسبت ذس جاذرينج يا الله ريفايف اور هارتس والله ريفايف اور ديد هارتس ثرو يور ذكر ريفايف اور ديد هارتس ثرو ذا ريسيتيشن اوف ذا قران ريفايف اور 
dead hearts, Ya Allah, through, through remembering you in our hearts and remembering you out loud, remembering you individually and remembering you collectively. Oh Allah, we ask you to save us from leading a life of heedlessness. Save us from listening to the Quran, Ya Allah, in, while playfully listening to the Quran or not listening to the Quran without giving its, without giving its due right, Ya Allah. Oh Allah, save us from, from taking any of the verses of the Quran lightly, from taking any of the hadith of the Prophet lightly. Ya Allah, put the love of the Quran and Hadith and the, tr- and the conviction of its veracity into the, in our hearts and the hearts of our children and the hearts of our adults in the hearts of our parents and the hearts of our siblings and the hearts of our friends. Oh Allah, make it easy for every one of us to live by the Quran. Allow us to live by the Sunnah of the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. Oh Allah, through the presence of all of the youngsters who are here and the elders who are here and the millions of angels who are here, we ask you to grant us forgiveness from all of our sins that we have committed. Well, to grant us the ability to repent from every single major and minor sin we have committed in the past. Oh Allah, we seek refuge in you from falling back into those sins. Oh Allah, we seek refuge in you from falling back into the sins. And we sincerely repent to you, Ya Allah, from every intentional and unintentional sin that we have committed, darkness of the night or in broad daylight, intentionally or unintentionally, once or many times, knowingly, or unknowingly with ourselves or our friends oh Allah whatever those sin may be of the hands and the feet the eyes and, and the tongue and the lips and the mind and any portion of our body oh Allah that sins were committed we beg you we ask you Allah to grant us forgiveness for that and grant us steadfastness and allow us all to be blessed with such good company and such righteous friends and ya Allah such great environments that will keep us away from all of that filth O Allah, we, keep, we beg you to keep our children on the straight path. Save them from falling astray. O Allah, those who have gone astray, we beg you to bring them back. We beg you to bring them back. We beg you to bring them back. O Allah, we ask you to grant basira and foresight to all of us to be able to understand the latest deceptions of shaitan. And allow us to be able to differentiate between right and wrong. And allow us to equip ourselves with those means to be able to protect ourselves from the evil ploys of shaitan in nafsi Allah subhana rabbik rabbil izzati amma sifoon wa salamun al mursaleen walhamdulillahi rabbil alameen there are salawat cards uh, Ahmad please have that ready so inshallah this is Rabiul Awwal and, uh, and we should always be doing salawat but right now um, I request you to make niyyah of collectively inshallah in the month of Rabiul Awwal those who are listening online on site just listen one second I'm making this announcement Make niyyah, last year we did in Rabiul Awal, alhamdulillah, we made niyyah and mashallah, we reached 23.4 million salawats. Subhanallah. So at least we can, go, we can get, make an aim for 25 million. What do you say? Yes? Inshallah. So those who are listening online and on site, make niyyah. There's, there's, there's cards outside in the lobby, pick them up. Take them home for every single member of your family. It's 5,000 salawat cards. Let's try to do 5,000 a week. 5,000 a week, inshallah. Say inshallah. Every member of our family, if you do 5,000, subhanAllah, in no time we'll have this. Those who are listening online, we can ship them out to you or we can send the link to you and you can fulfill this pledge online as well. Let's collectively share this with others as well and make a goal of 25 million, inshallah, in this blessed month. SubhanAllah, wa bihamdi, subhanakallah, wa bihamdi, inshallah, ilaha illa, nastaghfirullah, wa tubi ilaykas, assalamu alaykum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh.